0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: Defense! Defense! All the hard work, let's go! College football today.
0: Uh, there is no tomorrow if you're a college football fan or if you're a Michigan Wolverine on the road in the big house. Ha- uh, in- Columbus today to face Ohio State. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci going to be with you for the next three hours. Welcome to College Football Today. Doesn't get better than this, Rich. I mean, this is what it's all about if you're a college football fan, and if it's anything like it was yesterday. We're in for a great number, week number 13 of the college football season.
2: Joe, how about that for an appetizer to rivalry weekend? I I thought that was, for me as a fan, as good as it gets in college football. You know, you have Thanksgiving in the rearview mirror. You know, you're trying to digest a little bit. You ate too much on Thursday. All I did yesterday was lay around and watch some great football from Virginia, Virginia Tech, which had tremendous passion. That was quintessential college football, Joe, because that was a four and six Virginia Tech team. Didn't look like it based on how they played and the passion. You had the emotion with Mackenzie Milton going out for UCF with that horrible leg injury. You had at night Oklahoma, West Virginia, all the points, the Apple Cup with Washington, Washington State. What a great precursor to what will be another fantastic Saturday. Yeah,
0: unbelievable. You talk about that Virginia game. I mean, if you're Bronco Mendenhall and the crew, I mean – I mean devastating loss. They had that victory in hand, 31 to 24. I mean defense gave up a big play to, uh, to Willis in the passing attack. They get the fumble in the end zone, don't recover. I mean unbelievable. I mean this is a gutty football team. He's coached that team up at 7 and 5 overall. Deserved to win that and now have won lost, excuse me, 15 straight to Virginia Tech. Unreal, and that's some of the matchups that we're going to see today. Some teams like Wisconsin with a 10-game winning streak over Minnesota. I mean, other teams like Ohio State six-game winning streak over Michigan. Teams need to get it done later today, and that's what it's all about for college football fans. There is no tomorrow in week number 13, and this is what it's all about. I mean, if you're Mike Leach in the crew, though, I mean, from a weather aspect, the last thing that you wanted last night in Pullman was Snow showers for an offense that was only averaging 83
2: rushing yards in that battle. Yeah, I mean, that really played into Washington's hands. We talked about it earlier in the week. Washington, Chris Peterson, that defensive staff, they have had Washington State's number. That's now six straight games that Wazoo has not scored more than 17 points against Washington. And that hurts because this is a team that was thinking Rose Bowl, was thinking possibly playoff if they get some breaks. But now it's Washington, Utah. Now it's two teams that know each other pretty well, despite the fact that they're in different divisions of the Pac-12. And, you know, you mentioned weather and Leach not liking that snow. I'm thinking about Columbus today because it's cold. There's a little bit of rain. That could slow down the Ohio State offense and that is the last thing they need against Michigan.
0: Yeah, especially when you have a defense that allowed 339 rushing yards to Maryland last week. That's going to be a tall order for uh, the Ohio State defense that didn't step up. They made enough plays to get that victory, 52-51. to So we'll see how that game does play out. We'll get into that in one minute. But I do want to touch on Kyler Murray's performance last night. I mean, here's a guy that stepped up on a national stage yet again, is going to the Big 12 championship to redeem, redeem possibly that game against Texas in the Red River rivalry. Should he run the table? He has to be mentioned with Tua Viola for the Heisman Trophy. More importantly, he should be in New York after last night's performance.
2: Yeah, I mean, in terms of being a finalist for the Heisman, I I, I think that goes without question. I I think it comes down to Tua and Kyler Murray. I don't think anybody else is in the picture. You know, Will Greer kind of on the periphery, but he was outplayed, you know, by Kyler Murray. And then Gardner Minshew in the discussion, but struggled against Washington State, against Washington and that snow. Uh, Yeah, to me, I I think if you're a voter for any award, I don't care if it's the Davy O'Brien or the Heisman, just withhold your ballot. Wait till next weekend because you bring up a very good point. You know, two is going to have a shot at Georgia. Yes but to beat a team that's already beaten you in Texas that's a big deal for Kyler Murray and to me I I think they're one and one A I don't see a lot of separation between these two candidates Kyler Murray has been absolutely spectacular both as a thrower and a rusher and to your point Joe clutch Week after week, even when they lost to Texas, their lone loss for Oklahoma, he almost rallied them back from a big second-half deficit. So I I think he's certainly in the mix for the Heisman. Yeah, the one
0: knock on him was completion percentage entering this year. Now, he came off a year last year, limited duty, where he only completed uh, 85% of his passes. But the body of work at Texas A&M, he was in the area of about... 58%, 58%, and that was the one not going into this offense and really being the predecessor to Baker Mayfield. He stepped up. He looks more confident, not just running the football. He's keeping his eyes down the field making plays in the vertical passing game. And if somehow, some way, they sneak into the college football playoff, this is one uh, offense that defenses do not want to play against in in a playoff atmosphere.
2: Including Alabama. What's been the knock on the – if there's any knock on the Alabama defense during the Nick Saban era is the the more mobile Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton-like quarterbacks – the, the RPO quarterbacks give problems to that defense. That's exactly what Kyler Murray does. And, and you probably heard the rumor. I don't know if everyone did, but there's now talk that this kid may want to play football in 2019, yeah. that he may come back to Oklahoma, play for the Oakland A's in the farm system in the spring, maybe miss spring practice. But he looks like he enjoys being a quarterback. And he has been absolutely dynamic. To me, he's been the most electrifying all-around athlete in college football this season.
0: And he reminds me a little, I know Todd McShay said this about Russell Wilson, but the way he runs and doesn't take a lot of hits, he knows when to go down, he knows when to go out of bounds. That's what you want to see at the next level, and he keeps his eyes down the field. And he's not afraid to stay in the pocket anymore in terms of locating his receivers. He's showing progression as the season wears on, and if he does come back to Norman next year, I mean, this is definitely going to be, possibly could be a back-to-back Heisman Trophy winner because if attack Tagovail- of Iola does struggle today, and let's say somehow, someway, Auburn does get the victory in Tuscaloosa.
2: Kyler Murray shoots up now at number one in terms of Heisman hopefuls. Hey, listen, if I want to split hairs at this point, and both of those quarterbacks have been great this year, the one thing I would say is Kyler Murray, maybe not as against as good a competition defensively, True. but... Kyler Murray is doing it in close games. Yes. That matters to me as a voter, as someone who evaluates players, that matters. He has to do it in close games. Uh, Alabama has won every one of their games by at least 20 points. Right. You know, so, so Tua has not had to have clutch moments. And maybe that's in part because of his excellence. He gets them out into big leads. But Kyler Murray has to do it in the second half of games. Tua doesn't. That to me is something that that ought to be considered.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll turn our attention to the big game later today, twelve o'clock. It's Ohio State. It's Michigan. Ohio State underdogs, right? For the first time in fifty-two games. 52 games, Ohio State's always been the favorite. Now they sit as a a 4.5-point underdog to a team that they've won six straight against and won those games by 10.5 points per game. But this is a dominant, dominant Michigan defense that's allowing 111 rushing yards per game, only 123 to opposing quarterbacks in terms of the passing game. Give me the better defense. Give me the hotter team. Give me Jim Harbaugh laying the wood on the road, baby. Michigan, in an upset for the most part, because historically, I, historically, historically, even though yeah. they're favorite and they're ranked higher, I feel everybody's on Ohio State. Give me Michigan do you by really? 10 points. I have
2: not heard that at I all. Do. If any, I do. If anything, I, I think what Michigan folks will be fighting against is... The expectation that they're supposed to win yes. this game, that has not been the case during this winning streak for Ohio State. Michigan is expected to win. Michigan appears to have a path to the playoff. Win the next two games, beat Ohio State, beat Northwestern in Indianapolis, and you have a playoff spot. You know, Either a four or a three uh, right. seed for Michigan. To me, the biggest concern about Michigan is going to be the mindset. Can you close? They have led these games in the past. I, we'll talk about Gabe with Gabe later in the show. Michigan has been in a position to beat Ohio State a couple of times in the past six years, but they have not been able to close. But, Joe, I'm with you. I I have to go with a better team. I think this is a different Michigan team. They're on the revenge tour. They've taken care of other teams that have beaten them in the past, the Penn States, the Wisconsins. I think it happens today. Just too much defense. The disparity between these defenses, Ohio State, as much offensive firepower that they have defensively, They are absolutely a second-division Big Ten team. They miss tackles. They allow too many big plays. You mentioned Maryland last week. Anthony McFarlane almost goes for 300 yards on the ground. That big playability, all it's going to take is a couple of pops from Shea Patterson or Karan Higdon on the ground. And that's it because I don't I think I think Michigan is going to suffocate the Ohio State offense.
0: That's what I see as well. I think the one thing that you look at in terms of breaking this game down, you have a Michigan offense that's rushing for 219 on the ground, they're passing for 210 through the air with Chip Patterson that stepped up, completed 65% of his passes, 17 touchdowns. But not only that, Rich, it's a balanced offense in third-down situations. They're converting 50% on third downs. When you have a defense that's holding opposing offenses to only 31% on third downs, third down conversions, and you're moving the chains each and every drive. That suffocates teams, and when you look at Dwayne Haskins, there are more of a one-dimensional offense down the stretch. Now, Ohio State is averaging 182 on the ground, passing for over 300, and Dwayne Haskins is the more lethal quarterback with 36 touchdown passes, but this is a still an Ohio State defense that is allowing 165 rushing yards per game against competition. Let's be honest, that has is- been subpar
2: up until this yeah. point yeah i i mean they, they oklahoma's not on the schedule this year has been in the past but they haven't faced oklahoma this TCU, year TCU, i mean move the football yeah tcu scored 28 yeah. and had a couple of big plays we can go back to the opener i mean they allowed big plays against oregon state they've allowed uh, uh big plays yards after the catch against indiana maryland last week so i i think michigan will be able to move the ball The one storyline that really stands out for me is uh, Jim Harbaugh has to win this game. Yeah, he does. I mean, I don't care that it's in Columbus. This is non-negotiable. If you begin the season, the regular season, you know, losing to Notre Dame, and then you end it by losing again to Ohio State, that's a stain that's going to stay with Michigan throughout the offseason. I just don't see it happening. I, I think Devin Bush, Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary, one of the matchups that I really like, Joe, and I know you like this as well, Uh, No one is better yards after the catch in the Ohio State wide receivers this year, the Paris Campbells, K.J. Hills. Now you're going up against the best secondary, best pass defense in the country. So can Dwayne Haskins, can he stretch that Michigan defense at all? Can he land any kind of body blows? And one final thought, if you're going on the road to face a rival, I've always thought that the best time, time of day, to face them is at 12 o'clock. I mean, because at that point, there's not as much electricity in the stadium. I like that 12 o'clock game. You may like it, but Lovely. you know what? It's not like an 8 o'clock yeah. game. It, it, the it's, lights it's not, are on. It's not even like a 3.30 game. 12 o'clock, it takes a while to kind of get that stadium engine cranking. I think that benefits Michigan well. As well.
0: they'll be cranking from about 7 o'clock this morning in terms of that it's rivalry. It's cold I mean, yeah, it's cold. That's what Michigan, Ohio State is. Uh, again, Michigan's going to have to start fast. You want to start fast, and you want to put the pressure on that Ohio State defense, and more importantly, Dwayne Haskins in that ball game. slow the tempo down. So, we'll see how it plays out in a couple of hours. Rich and I both like Michigan in this ball game we'll turn our attention to that marquee battle under the lights eight o'clock tonight Notre Dame and USC I mean oh uh, the pageantry, the tradition Notre Dames won three of the last five by 16.3 points per game and picked up this victory last year in South, Ve- uh, South Bend in dominating fashion 49 to 14 rich but I'm rolling the dice. Dun, da, da, dun, 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 ta, USC, you got to do something.
1: Remember I, I any would,
0: given not, Sunday? I you got to do something. Do, Tackle somebody. Then get the upset.
2: Upset special. I I don't. 35 see Thirty-five
0: to thirty.
2: Notre Dame Over is going Dame. to absolutely boat race USC <laughs> tonight. I, I just don't. I've watched enough USC. Football. I know the only team they've beaten in the last five weeks is Oregon State. I, I mean that's that, pathetic. That effort against UCLA last week was pathetic. I mean if you can't show up against your crosstown rival, a team that was two and eight at this point, a couple of wins this season under Chip Kelly don't have the same talent level that you do have a slow quarterback, an easy target in Wilton Spade. If you can't beat that UCLA team, I I saw so much from Notre Dame that I liked last week against Syracuse because we all thought Syracuse might be a dangerous trap game for Notre Dame. They they punched Syracuse in the mouth early and then never looked back. And the balance, both on offensively and defensively, for the Irish, very impressive. You got Ian Book, Dexter Williams on offense. The offensive line has recovered well after losing Alex Bars earlier in the season. And defensively, it, it may not be in the, the caliber of a Michigan or an Alabama or even a Clemson, but they're very close. I mean, yeah. they have been so good defensively. What they did against Syracuse last week, yes, Eric Dundry was uh, hurt, which which certainly helped, but I, I think this is the final game for Clay Helton. I don't think they even bowl. They go five and seven. Pick a fork in them. And, and JT Daniels, the young quarterback, has struggled to yeah, play Yes. So I, I think Notre Dame uh hey, I think Notre Dame really rolls tonight. The one thing I will say if you're a, if you're an SC fan, five times Notre Dame has faced USC as an undefeated team. And lost to USC. So USC's been in this position before. Well, here's
0: the one reason why I'm picking USC in this ballgame. I, I look at the back-to-back road trips. Notre Dame went from South Bend to uh, New York last week in the in the pinstripe uh, game against Syracuse. Now they go back home. They go back to the West Coast where traditionally, especially last year, they lost to Stanford 38-20. to So the West Coast trip scares me if you're a Notre Dame fan. I know they're the better team. I know they're the superior defense in this ballgame. But USC still has playmakers. USC can still run the football with guys like Ware and Stephen Carr if he's there. And JT Daniels does have the type of arm to stretch that defense. For me, I'm taking USC. But we'll pick it up on the back end. When we come back, we'll be joined by Jamie Heath from sportsbrokers.com. Keep it where it is. Jolisi Ritz-Sermonello and Gabe Morenci live from Studio 34. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning fantasy sports radio network? Listen on the iheart Radio app, the TuneIn radio app, 843 6879. Defensive Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day. Back on College Football Today, brought to you by BetDSI. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci going to be with you for the next three hours. We're joined right now by SportsBrokers.com Vice President Jamie Heath. Talking about all the big games today, Jamie, how are you?
1: I'm great, Joe, and Rich, how are you guys doing today?
0: Doing good. Uh, This is what it's all about, Jamie, Rivalry Weekend. There is no tomorrow, Jamie. Why don't you tell fans what you have in store on Rivalry Weekend at SportsBrokers.com?
1: Yeah, Joe, it doesn't get any better than a day like today when you're talking about teams that are in absolute must-win mode and... That's how it is here at the sports brokers. We're in must win mode as well today. We got three games today that we absolutely love today. They're all underdogs. We're really uh, we're so confident that these teams are going to win. We're going to we're going to lay it out on the line again. If we don't go 3 and 0, you get the the whole bowl season as well as the pro football playoffs absolutely free on us. We want you to call 1-800-220-6262. Visit our website, join our website, more importantly, thesportsbrokers.com. Seriously, if you're out there, you're you're losing on the year. Most people are. They don't know which way to turn. You turn to us today. Today's the day we're going to crush for you today.
0: Huge battle. I mean, the biggest battle on the docket today, number four, four, Michigan Number 10, Ohio State. I mean, unbelievable. Ohio State underdogs for the first time in 52 games today. I mean, think about that. That's unbelievable when you think about Urban Meyer and the crew. Rich and I both like Michigan in this matchup. How do you see this game playing out?
1: You know, I'll tell you, Joe. I I watched last night's game between uh, West Virginia and... uh... It was West Virginia, obviously, last night against Oklahoma, and that game was a back-and-forth game. But every time there was a touchdown, they would always go to the crowd to see their emotions. You would see, you know, the down faces of a West Virginia fan or a down face of an Oklahoma. Anytime anyone scores in this game or does something, you're going to always see Urban Meyer or, uh, or Harbaugh. They're always going to turn to them. This is a huge game, obviously, for both coaches. Harbaugh especially. He's not beaten Ohio State since he's uh, been with Michigan. Monster, monster game. If you look at the matchup on paper, you would say, just like you guys say, Michigan is the, is the team. They obviously uh, have the better squad, it looks like. But if you look at it, they really haven't played that many great teams either this year. The only really solid team that they played was their opening game. They lost that game to Notre Dame. Ohio State's got unbelievable numbers uh, spread-wise. If we're talking about betting, they're 4-0 and straight up with Urban Meyer as a home dog. They're obviously never usually in this spot, but when they are a home dog, he's he's, he's amazing. You know, they're 7-1 versus uh, teams that are, have a 900 or greater win percentage, which Michigan obviously falls into in this spot as well. Look, I see Ohio State obviously came off a, a really tough game last week against Maryland. They obviously were not playing... Very well. They got they escaped with their lives because Maryland did go for two. Had a guy wide open. Didn't get the play. Obviously, Michigan does have the better defense in this matchup. But you want to know something? I'm going to go with the numbers in this game. I'm taking the points. I want the. I, I, I obviously think that Ohio State can win this game outright, and I I see it happening. But if you want to give me four and a half points. In the shoe with Urban Meyer. I'm going to take the points in this game. I'm on Ohio State.
2: Well, right now, uh, there's cheering in Norman, Oklahoma, Jamie, because the Sooners will be rooting for the Buckeyes as well. That's,
1: that's... Absolutely, Rich. And, and I'll tell you something. I would love, love to see Kyler Murray as a number 4 seed in the playoffs go against that Alabama defense. That would be a hell of a game. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. If Michigan does happen to win today and they make the playoffs, What do you make the spread against Michigan-Alabama if it's a four against one? Like 17, 20? I mean, I see Michigan getting absolutely annihilated by Alabama. I honestly would rather see the Oklahoma matchup, but we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, again... The game today should be a, a great game, and I'm on Ohio State. But, yeah, that would, that would be amazing. I, I know the Sooners are rooting for uh, Ohio State as well today. Yeah,
2: they need a little bit of it. chaos. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State, I wonder what that would be, Ohio State versus Oklahoma. I heard 14, 15. No, not even points, but, like, who would get that fourth spot in the playoff? Would it be Ohio State or Oklahoma, one loss? Tough call. That,
0: it's it's hard great, because great, Ohio State
2: question. got knocked out last year, you know, and ha- had an argument. They'd have the worst loss, though, right? They lost yeah. 49 to 20 to Purdue. To so, Purdue, yeah. exactly,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and Oklahoma had the game against Texas where they they right. barely got beat, and guess what? They get to play Texas again next week. They get a and chance sure. for
2: for revenge. Yeah, right. it's a good point.
1: It's a good point. Exactly. exactly.
2: Uh, let, let's turn our attention to the LA Coliseum. Uh, Joe and I are on complete polar opposites. I mean, Joe loves USC. I, I'm convinced that Notre Dame is going to absolutely roll, validate their spot in the playoff. You know how, like, uh, at, at certain points in the season, back in the day, you know, if you knew you were going to the Orange Bowl, you, you kind of, like, after the big win, you parade around with oranges or roses if it was the Rose Bowl. I want to see the Notre Dame Fighting Irish with college football playoff paraphernalia, because if they win tonight, that's it. 12-0, they're in the playoffs.
1: Exactly, Rich. You said it. And you know something? This is the, a spot where normally I'm a contrarian and I would be like, you know what? USC just got beat by a 2-8 and eight UCLA game. They're playing absolutely awful. They only, their only win was against a putrid Oregon State team who obviously showed their colors again yesterday by getting annihilated by a team without even Justin Herbert. They got murdered yesterday. So... USC, this game looks like a, a trap game for Notre Dame, kind of, but there is no trap game for Notre Dame. Like you just mentioned, this is their this is their lives. They're playing for the playoffs. I don't see any letdown, even though they just traveled to New York, played Syracuse pretty much manhandled Syracuse, and Syracuse is not a bad team. And they, they pretty much made them look pedestrian last week. Now they're going to Los Angeles. I know it's a lot of flying and stuff like that, but this USC team really stinks. As a matter of fact, I think the whole Pac-12 is pretty pretty down again this year. You're going to see it when the Bulls come out how bad the Pac-12 is again. I'm, I'm on Notre Dame like you, Rich. I see no letdown. I think Notre Dame can name their score in this game. I know all the stats and the, and the trends favor USC in this matchup, but I'm not buying it. I, I look at the, the the squad, and I look at Notre Dame with Ian Book. This team, they're going to run all over a, a bad USC defense. I see them taking care of business and really winning this this game going away and making the playoffs.
0: The bitter rivalry in the state of Alabama, the Iron Bowl, Jamie. I mean, this is as heated as it gets Sabin, Malzon, I mean, unbelievable. Alabama's a 24 and a half point favored in this matchup to a team that they lost to last year, 26 to 14. I think the worst thing that could have happened to Gus Malzon and the crew was Citadel do, did tie up Alabama 10 to 10 at the half and last half, week. Yeah. How do you see this one shaping out?
1: I'll tell you, Joe. You know, you, you you made you brought up a good point there with the uh, Citadel giving Alabama fits in the first half, and you could rest assured that uh, Mr. Saban went into Alabama's heads in that game and pretty much said, "Are you kidding me? We're ten ten to Citadel." Obviously, you saw what happened in the second half last year, like you just mentioned as well. Auburn did put the one loss on Alabama, so I'm sure that's in the minds of, of Saban and this Alabama team. Look, Alabama is obviously the best team in football. This could be Saban's – I think it is Saban's best team. When they got the best player on the field, actually the quarterback, which he's never had before in the past tour. this is going to be a long, long, long day for the Auburn Tigers. I, I honestly think that uh, that this team is going to absolutely destroy Auburn. I mean – Murder Auburn. I. This is going to be a really, really bad, bad game for them. I like Alabama first half. I like Alabama in the game. I just see. I mean, the the team that actually played Alabama the best, I think, was was Mississippi State. Their defense really played well against against Alabama a couple of weeks back. But this Auburn team right now, right now, they're not showing me much. They lost to Tennessee at home this year. They really, they're on a down year. I really thought Stidham was better than he was uh, going into this season. I'm not high on Auburn whatsoever, and obviously Alabama, I think, is a juggernaut, and I think they're going to roll this game. I wouldn't be surprised if they win this game by 30 or even 40 points.
2: <sighs> yeah, Jarrett Stidham, I'm starting to think, and I, and I was thinking maybe a month ago, I, I don't think he's a good fit for that offense for Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn needs a more mobile, less of a he pro style. Kelly
1: Bryant who's um, actually yeah, he's yeah, thinking about that's transferring the, there. Yeah, that's yeah a, maybe. That's a, that's, a, that's a good name, possibly. But he also could use a running back like a carry-on Johnson yeah. type and, uh, and oh. the other running back that they had, that bruiser last year that they had. They don't have that this year. And Alabama is just on a different playing yeah. field right now. And I just I just see a very, very long day. For, for, for the show,
2: run. Jamie, I, I picked Auburn. I, I, think, I think I might be pulling an audible. Oh. I, I think I might pull an audible. How could you pull an audible <laughs> as you not? come to
0: the line of scrimmage? Why not? <laughs> Great quarterbacks? I'm sticking with Auburn.
2: Great quarterbacks. No, nah, you can't be rigid. Sometimes you have to be able to. I'm rigid. Uh, yeah, I know. All right. Uh, Jay, uh, Jay uh, tell, tell our audience uh, again, uh, for the audience that just uh, tuned in, what are you offering this sure. weekend, for, the, especially for those people that have uh, struggled uh, this year?
1: Oh, you got it, Rich. Like I said, like I was telling all you listeners out there, you know something. I know a lot of people give you a lot of promises, and they say, you know what? If you bet certain amounts of money, you could have this game. If you bet this, you could have that game. We're not all about that. I don't care if you're a $100 player, $1,000 player, even a $100,000 player. You're getting our best plays, obviously, every week. And this week, we have three games we absolutely love. They're all underdogs. They're going to win on the field outright, we believe. Give us a call, 1-800-220-6262. If you're serious about this, you want to win today. Today, You know, you're getting to the holidays. We, we just had Thanksgiving. Now you're going to go into Christmas. We want, you to, we want you to make some money, you know, to buy your kids presents, whatever. Take the wife out. Go on a cruise, whatever. Call us or visit our website, thesportsbrokers.com. Join our website. We turn outcomes into incomes. We have a monster day ahead today, 3-0.
2: Uh, Jamie, I, I I think your services, the services of an expert is particularly important this time of year because, you no know, we, we it. saw it yesterday. Virginia, Virginia Tech. I mean, if you if you go just solely on metrics, if you go just with the eye test, it defies logic. And that's the fun and at times exasperating aspect of rivalry week is yeah, it's hard to figure this stuff out. So now that we're in this time of year, how do you guys process rivalry rivalry week? What do you do in order to say, listen, you got to throw the numbers out, but this is why we like this team?
1: Well, exa- you know, Rich, you, you, a lot of times you do throw the numbers completely out when it comes to rivalry games. I mean, there's certain matchups that even though a team is completely looks so underwhelming You know, I'll give you an example of Florida State. They've been awful this year, but they're actually playing for their bowl lives today, and they're playing against their state rival, Florida. Florida's coming in as a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I won't be surprised if Florida State actually pulls an upset in this game. You know, they're playing for their lives. There's millions of dollars on the line for Florida State. You know, they beat Boston College to set this game up. So, I I honestly, there's a ton of matchups like that today. You know, you got rivalry games. Obviously, you got Michigan, Ohio State, two teams that obviously hate each other. You got a lot of situations where Harbaugh has to win, or you know, or else he's got another loss thrown into the column against Ohio State. They're gonna all say. Harbaugh can't win the big game if he loses. You know, these are the type of situations. So, like you were saying, Rich, you know, he's throw out the numbers, and I'm throwing out the numbers in that Michigan game, even though Michigan's numbers, their defense looks like it's like the best defense there ever was. But I'll tell you something. They haven't gone against an offense like Ohio State yet this year. They're, they, you know, so. Again, throw out the numbers when it comes to a lot of these matchups today, and there's a lot of games today where there's teams that absolutely have to win. I'm not saying they're going to, but the back's against the wall, and I'm always usually taking those teams that their backs are against the wall against the teams that pretty much have have it already sewn up, that they're already going to bowl. So that's another thing to keep in mind when you're betting.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, Jamie, because we see matchups today, like like I mentioned before, like Wisconsin has won 10 straight over Minnesota. You see like Ohio State with six straight over Michigan. And we saw it yesterday with Virginia Tech. I mean, you know, w- winning 14, now 15 straight over Virginia. Over Virginia so, you yeah. know, I mean, I, I guess the hardest thing, t- because I think it's a very uneventful college football year, we haven't seen a whole lot of top 10 upsets we saw Possibly West Virginia strike the upset yesterday over Oklahoma. We saw Washington in that victory over Washington State. But outside of that, throughout the year, I think this has been a very anticlimactic college football season from a betting uh, perspective. We've seen huge underdogs cover, but not necessarily win. win, get the outright victory.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right when it comes to that, you know, something. And, uh, you know, today might actually be the one day where you might actually see a couple upsets. I mean, we did see the upset yesterday with Washington. And there's another perfect example. Washington pretty much owned Washington state over the last, what, six years? They, they, they just don't lose to that team for some reason. Same thing with Virginia Tech. I mean, that was a great game. It turned into, it was an, a boring game in the first half. I think this game was 0-0 for forever. And then all of a sudden they just lit it up and uh, Virginia Tech did come up on top. But, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, Wisconsin against Minnesota. Perfect example. Wisconsin's own Minnesota over the years but Minnesota, guess what? Today they need that game or else they're staying home for the Bulls as well. So, it's another thing to keep in in mind when you're talking about betting on these teams today. You know, when you have confidence in, and you're betting on a on a team, you got to say to yourself, well what what am I taking here? Cuz remember, this is the most one of the most important days for a lot of these colleges out there. So, you obviously have to take that into some serious consideration when you're putting your money on these teams.
2: I'm glad you brought up the 5 and 6 uh teams uh for People who don't know you have to be six and six yeah. to be bowl eligible in college football a lot of teams ton of teams are five and six oh, we yeah. oh, we yeah. even have some five and six matchups I yeah. mean you have Tennessee Vandy, Vandy. Vanderbilt, win,
1: right winners and, in and, te- and, and Texas Tech Baylor two five and six yeah. teams exactly. winners in, losers out Well, those games, to be honest with you, Rich, those are the games that I want to stay away from. I do not want to wager on those games uh, for my clients and for myself because I really don't know who's going to win those games. Obviously, you look at the numbers and you're going to say to yourself, well, uh, obviously uh, Vanderbilt might have a better – you know, offense or defense as opposed to Tennessee. So maybe they're a slight lean, but I'm not going to bet any of those games with any confidence because they both need the games. I'm looking for teams today that absolutely positively have to win the game or they're sitting at home as opposed to, uh, you know, the teams that they're playing that are already in the bowl or they have absolutely nothing to play with. There's another game that comes to mind today. Tulsa's playing SMU. SMU, I know, looked awful against Memphis, but Memphis actually showed that they actually have a pretty decent team when they uh, took care of business against Houston albeit against the backup quarterback, but they still look great yesterday. And, uh, you know, now SMU has to go to a Tulsa team that has absolutely nothing to play for. And SMU has everything to play for. So there's another matchup. So there's, a, there's plenty of them that are that are out there today. So we're on top of it. Trust me when I tell you, there's, there's a lot of stuff. I'd love to talk to you about all these matchups today to tell you the truth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> we got to get you in yeah. studio one of these yeah. days. Yeah, I mean, that's that, great.
1: That, that was- That would be great. I'd love it. Tell tell
0: (laughs) fans where they could sign up today, Jamie, and what you have in store for them on Rivalry Weekend.
1: Uh, again, uh, uh, like I said, uh, I know a lot of you uh, players out there are not having the greatest of years. We're doing really well. Today's a monster day. We're going to go three and zero. We have three underdogs that we feel are going to win today outright. Give us a call 1-800-220-6262. Visit our website. Join our website, thesportsbrokers.com. If you do that, you'll have somebody. You might even have myself give you a call, and I'll, and, I'll, and you actually could talk to me on the line. I'm telling you right now, this is a big, big day. We don't. Go three and you get the bowl season as well as the playoffs absolutely free on us
0: jamie great insight and information as always we'll see you next weekend for championship saturday
1: can't wait can't wait guys you guys have a great day today good luck to you and i hope you knock them dead
0: you too jamie i mean great insight and information Thanks, he, he, As always he brought up great points i mean the one thing i think when i look at florida state and you know i've been on them in recent weeks when do you know when they're going to step up? I mean, last year, Minnesota, Wisconsin, they got blown out last year, 31 to nothing when Minnesota needed the game as well to become bowl eligible or have a chance. It's like crack psychologist in the sense no. you don't yeah, know you're what right. you're
2: getting each and every week out of and these teams. you have no idea of knowing who wants it more at this point. Even Vandy, Tennessee, they all want it, but who wants it more? Exactly. We'll see how that game plays out. We'll get into that game in just a little bit. Keep it where it is. Jolisi, Richie. Sermonello
0: and Gay morenzi live from Studio 34.
2: We are back on college football today, inching closer to the 12 o'clock games. Michigan, Ohio State. Everybody be watching until hopefully midnight tonight. I know Joe and I will be. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Well, then try DailyRoto.com for free this Thanksgiving weekend. That's right. Free advice from fantasy millionaires. Free daily fantasy projections and free access to everything you need to dominate NFL DFS this weekend. Don't be a turkey. Head on over to dailyrodo.com and enter the promo code TG18 to access your free five-day trial. That's dailyrodo.com. promo code TG18. Joe, let's talk a little uh, 12 o'clock best bets if we could. I'm going to throw out my 12 o'clockers. Hot for... as a
0: pistol, Rich.
2: Yeah, yeah, hot as a pistol. Come on, pistol that hasn't fired in, <laughs> uh, in a while. Uh, my best bets uh, for 12 o'clock games today, uh, Georgia Tech. I think we both love Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's been playing very well. Under Paul Johnson, now seven and four, they've been on a winning streak. I and I think their ability to kind of grind out yards and play better defensively than they have recently, I think will keep that game close. Getting last I saw about seventeen and a half points from Georgia, I think Georgia Tech keeps it close. Uh, I, I like Florida. I disagree with Jamie on this one. I I, I think right. I think Florida State ran out of I, gas I last week. Yeah, I'm not in love with the Florida Gators. Florida Gators at number eleven in the country, I I think is a little bit overrated. That's a three-loss team. There's that, nobody good. I, maybe that's part of the problem. It's yeah. That's the problem with college football. This is a team football. that had a rally to beat Vanderbilt. I know. I know. That, that got housed at home by Missouri. What about, what about South Carolina? They were down by 17 points. Yeah, exactly. 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 So I'm not I'm not overstating Florida at this point, Joe. But I'm just not convinced about Florida State. Florida State's big problem offensive line. Florida can create pressure off the edge. So my two 12 o'clockers that I like, Georgia Tech and Florida.
0: Yeah, I have three, actually. I'm going with you with Georgia Tech. For me, it comes down to the triple option attack. I think they can run the football, keep Jake Fromm and Justin Fields on the sidelines enough to win that ballgame. Plus, last two times in Athens, Georgia Tech did come away with the outright win. For, so give me the Yellow Jackets with the big numbers, 17 points in that ballgame. I like Baylor. I know Jamie said stay away from this ball game. Both teams are 5 and 6 fighting to become bowl eligible. But you have a team in Texas Tech that really hasn't played well down the stretch. Lost to Oklahoma, they lost to Kansas State a couple weeks ago. They have some quarterback issues with Bowman and Jet Duffy and more importantly Cliff Kingsbury could be out of a job. We're hearing that he will be fired no matter what after this ball game. And I like the way Baylor's playing. I mean, I think they have a solid quarterback in Charlie Brewer, fighting hard each and every week, catching the points. Give me Baylor on a neutral field in that ball game, and I'm taking Indiana. I think it's a 12 o'clock start against Purdue. It might not be, but I still like the Hoosiers. Stevie Scott, Peyton Ramsey in that ball game. Give me Indiana. With the outright win over Jeff Brom and the crew to become bowl eligible, I just think they're running the football better. And when you're Purdue and give up over 300 yards of rushing offense to Wisconsin, I'll take my chances.
2: Yeah, that is a 12 o'clock game. I actually like Purdue was not one of my higher priority yeah. games. It should be close. It should be competitive. It always is when there's an old oak and bucket I know at the, stake. The oak and bucket, I mean. I know. I would love to have an oak and bucket. We should play for an oak and bucket or how? The old. How about the old uh, casual <laughs> jacket in if the back of the I closet? Could see you wearing one of those old leather helmets. We should really come up with like like an old clothing apparel, something okay. that needs to be dusted off that right? so we trade we'll, we'll, each we'll year. Do we'll do it. We'll pick
0: one. Or the two loser games. has to wear it That's on air. It. I yeah, think wear
2: it on air yeah. and and then you know we'll chill out. We'll something game. that like you know Felix Unger would have worn back yes. in the 1970s.
0: Yes, like dirt all over yeah. it.
2: Food. But that would be Oscar. But yeah,
0: I'd be Oscar. Yeah. Right, and uh, you'd be Tony Randall.
2: But I, you know, here's the thing about Purdue, real quick. I, they're both five and six, so this is, you know, can you n- believe that? Though? No, Think no, about Purdue. I knocked off Ohio State, twenty nine point win. Fighting to become bowl eligible. I agree. I I think that's what you know. Gabe oftentimes talks about perception versus reality. Right. The perception about Purdue is like this the is f- the best team, great in the team. Big, Rondale team in the big Ten. Rondale Moore, David Blau. These guys are unstoppable. Jeff Brom. Let's let's what about name a coach my guy, of the year. TJ Knox, the little uh, Knox, the little, little engine that could. And now they're the five and six. I, they, I just I'm having a hard time not seeing this Purdue team that beat Ohio State by 29 points, not even participating in a bowl game. That's why I like the Boilermakers. Uh, yeah, that's that. And, but here you go. Which team is going to
0: show up? Because you have a team in Indiana that pushed uh, Michigan yeah. to the limit last week, lost that matchup by 11 points. I mean, they were in that game from start to finish. Stevie Scott and that offense pounded the rock for 190 on the ground against a Wolverine defense, only giving up 111 to opposing offenses. So if they can run on Michigan, you would think that they can run on Purdue after the Purdue escaped. With that three-point win over Wisconsin, the
2: reason why I struggled to make it a best bet also is I, I this is one of those rivalry games that you just I just don't know. I think it'll be very close though. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if either of these teams they're they're competitively matched. There's not a lot of distance between right. them offensively or defensively. I like the Purdue offense a little bit better but I like the Indiana defense better and their personnel, so I think this is a toss-up game right down to the wire. Any idea what's happened to that line? I, I know it opened it's, at four. It, it, it
0: opened at four. It creeped down to three and a half in the area. It's still hovering around Perdue, four, depending laying, three upon and where you Three yeah. and a half to four, you know, but the game is in Bloomington, and let's right. keep in mind, I mean, Stevie Scott's a kid that you have to keep an eye out he's on. He's a freshman. I mean, he's a true freshman, and he's pounding the rock. He stepped up, had big games against Indiana, uh, uh, Penn State and and now, Michigan. I mean, he can wear down opposing offenses if they're committed to the run. If they fall behind, that's going to put a lot of pressure on Peyton Ramsey uh, in that ball game. We'll see if he can do it. Yeah, interesting. But I like I, I like the over in that ball game. I think a lot of points will be scored uh, in that matchup, but we'll see. And
2: it and it matters to both coaches yeah. and both programs. Tom Allen's a blue collar guy. Too. Tom Allen, I think, has done yeah. a good job. At some point, the Indiana administration is going to want to see more. Yeah. It's kind of like Kingsbury. You know, you have those flashes of brilliance. You have those moments. But you're going to have to deliver a seven or eight win season at some point. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a very good defensive coordinator. But for both of those staffs, we talk about it all the time, for those coaching staffs, programs that are not always accustomed to success, the extra game, the extra 15 practices mean a lot. Yeah, well, we'll talk about the game in Athens between Georgia and Georgia Tech. Talk about another
0: coach that needs to take it to the next level, Paul Johnson. I mean, granted, last two times in Athens, you came away with a victory. You got blown out last year, 38-7 to in Atlanta. This is still an offense that's averaging 353 rushing yards per game. They're converting on third-down conversions. The problem is when your defense gives up 50% on third downs to opposing offenses, you better score each and every time you have the football. And that's something that they've been able to do. They've won four straight. I'm just not sold on Georgia being the same elite defense last year under Kirby Smart that got him to the national championship game. Georgia might
2: win, but I still think Georgia Tech keeps it well within the number later today. Yeah, I agree with that analysis. If I can get 17-plus on a Georgia Tech team, you mentioned they've won four straight games, most recently beating Virginia— Georgia has been impressive. I mean, Georgia has begun to look like they could be a borderline playoff team. They're going to have to upset Alabama for that to happen, which I don't expect in Atlanta next week. But Georgia's defense without Roquan Smith has not been the same as it was in 2017. So I, I think Georgia Tech can control the line of scrimmage I think they can control the clock they now have two quarterbacks Taquan Marshall Tobias Oliver both have had success on the ground but again the one thing that has really stood out for me is during this winning streak for Georgia Tech the defense yes. has solidified I'm not accustomed to Georgia Tech playing good defense or having star power but this year 42nd nationally which is respectable for this program so I, again, I think they'll be well within that number as well. I think you could rest easy getting that 17-plus Yeah, in this I game. want to
0: stick on this game for two factors because we do have the SEC Championship in a couple of weeks. You mentioned Georgia Tech. They're only giving up 137 rushing yards per game. They're going to have to put the pressure on Jake Fromm in third-down situations. But you look at Georgia as a whole from a defensive perspective, Rich. 11 games, 17 total sacks. Now, Georgia you, Tech? Georgia. Oh, Georgia. Yeah. 17 total sacks. When Shocking, you, yeah. When you go up into the SEC championship game against Tua Viola in that offense, you're going to need to put pressure on Alabama, especially in third-down situations, because if you allow him time to pick apart your secondary, going to be a long day, and you do not stand a, t- a chance
2: in that type of matchup. Well, I could I totally agree. I mean, the, the outside linebackers that we've grown accustomed to in Georgia— Uh, And for the last couple of years under Kirby Smart, they have not been applying pressure this year. They don't have a true defensive end. Uh, You know, this is a team that misses the defensive linemen and the outside linebackers that graduated and headed off to the NFL. And it's shown throughout the season Now they've been able to overcome just the one loss. But still, this is a defense that's not as pressure packed as it's been. One thing I want to throw out, too, for anybody who's concerned about betting Georgia Tech while the game is between the hedges, would you believe that the road team has now won 5 consecutive games in the series yeah. which means Georgia Tech has won its last 2 visits to Athens, which would surprise a lot of people. And Don't be shocked if you see Justin Fields in this ball game. He's convert uh,
0: completing seventy-one percent of his passes over three hundred yards, four touchdowns. They're starting to get him more involved in the offense because it's all hands on deck next week. If Georgia somehow dominates this matchup and now somehow dominates Alabama, you would think that they'd be in the college football playoff. Well, I mean, uh, no, no the, question about it.
2: Yeah, I, uh, but I Georgia mean, wins the SEC and beats Alabama. That's not even a debate. Really. Not even a debate. All right, we'll see what happens. I mean... Yeah, you know, not not even... That's not even up for debate. All
0: right, we'll see. I I mean, I agree with you. It's just, we'll see what happens a, a little bit later. I think when you look at Justin Fields, though, he's a guy, when you look at his progression in terms of the offense, his mobility could be a factor. He's a Kyler Murray type of kid. And if Georgia's going to win this thing, let's say they do get in, especially against Alabama, you're going to possibly need him to make some
2: Couldn't place. agree more. I I mean, I, I think if it, it's sort of the... The Clemson model Clemson and Dabo Sweeney realized earlier in the year that if we're going to be more than just an ACC champ, if we're going to compete for a national championship, we have to leverage those young players. And, and they turned the offense over to Trevor Lawrence and it worked out. Now, obviously, they'd like to still have Kelly Bryan as a backup. But in terms of Kirby Smart, and that offensive staff, if you have a Justin Fields, even if there's just a sub-package, you could use him a couple of series, use his legs. Reminds me of a, of a younger Cam Newton. Think of that type of talent and athleticism. I think you have to get him ready, and you'd have to... Unleash him along with Jake Fromm yeah. in the SEC title game. Yeah,
0: we'll see. I mean, if if Georgia loses today and then knocks off Alabama, then that would open well, the that, door that for becomes,
2: Oklahoma. That becomes a big—that that, would that really be chaos. Huge, chaos. Yeah, that would be chaotic huge. because now you'd have a two-loss SEC champ— what do you do with that team? Would you put in Alabama as a one-loss team? That's what happened last year. Yeah, so, uh, you yeah, know that, that's that's chaos. Well, keep in mind as well,
0: uh, Kirby Smart. Next week, he's five and zero in revenge uh, type of situations. So he knocked off all five opponents last year that he lost to the year prior. So uh, he is very good in terms of game planning in revenge type of situations. Turn our attention to that matchup in College Station between Texas A&M and LSU. LSU has dominated the series, winning seven straight by 14.7 points per game. But this is a different Texas AM and defense, Rich, that's holding opposing offenses to 80 rushing yards per game. That's the strength of LSU still with that heavy offensive line. This is going to be a very close ball game, but in the end, I'm taking the Tigers.
2: I think they get a seven-point win in College Station. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, this is this is a different team under Jimbo Fisher than the last seven, which have lost to LSU. The last three by double digits. I mean, LSU yeah. has really owned Texas A&M. Uh, I like LSU as well. I just think uh, better defense. A&M does a nice job against the run, but they're vulnerable over the top. So a lot is going to hinge. We've said this. How many times yeah. have we said it this year? A lot is going to hinge on Joe Burrow. I mean if LSU is gonna beat a good opponent again, they're gonna need more from from their passing attack because I think they'll struggle to pop off big plays on the ground this this week with Brussett, with you know Hilaire Edwards. I, I think that's going to be a bit of an issue against Texas A and M. But LSU just has A and M's number. And I think this game really matters for these two teams and these two coaches because now you're talking, there is something to be said for being second best in the SEC West. We all know that Alabama's tops. But do you know that if A and M wins this game, they'll finish second in the SEC West, which I think means Jimbo Fisher would be ahead of schedule in his first well, year. Well, two things. I mean, the way
0: you have to attack Texas A and M is over the top. I mean, they're they're allowing 260 passing yards to opposing offenses, and you have an LSU offense that's still only averaging around 206 passing yards per game. But let's say Texas A and M does drop this game, and you're sitting there with seven and five overall record. Did you hire a guy seventy-five million dollars in year number one? You know to have this type of progression. I mean, this is this is where we're at in college football. You know, big time hires, well, ten yeah. million dollars. I mean, this is what you know. This is the pressure. I mean, is that acceptable? I mean, we talked about Herm Edwards with Arizona State. Yes, he got them. You know, better. I want to say better, but he's still going to have the, almost the same overall record as Tom yeah. Graham. Yeah. I mean, is that what you hired the guy for? I mean at what point where do we go, where do we separate expectations especially when you when you're talking about high price tags
2: for a head coach? Uh, I think it's a great question. That, that is the landscape that we're facing in college football. Win now, win now, win well, now. Well, I'll throw another coach out. I mean, the assumption is, and I think it'll happen, is that Clay Helton will be relieved of his duties at USC, whether whether he upsets Notre Dame or not. I, I agree with but that. You guys. say he should be, but I also think it, it's sort of, you know, one of the epidemic problems that we're facing in college football. Two years ago, he won the Rose Bowl. I know. Last year, he won the Pac-12 championship. Now, maybe you feel like he's not, the best fit or they could do better at USC or maybe he's maybe he's too understated I don't know but you know Clay Helton within the last 2 years has won a conference championship and a Rose Bowl Great with point. the win over Penn State and now listen he's had a horrible season but that does speak to the you know the the landscape in college football is that He's probably going to be let go, and yet he's done a pretty good job over the totality. Well, we heard the rumblings about Brian Kelly
0: at a 10-3 record yeah, last yeah. year. I mean, That's the true. Expect- expectations are high at no yeah. Dame. Here's the thing, when I think, when you break down head coaches. I totally understand a rebuilding type of situation. You lose Sam Darnold. You lose Ronald Jones. You lose playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. But there there is a fine line between talent and effort. And that's the difference, I think, Rich. When you break down these head coaches, are the kids trying? If you watched USC, they're quitting. They're quitting at at Utah. They're quitting against Cal. I mean, I understand it
2: comes to coaching, but if the kids aren't buying in, that's a bigger problem than just X's and O's. I mean, that—that's what any athletic director is looking at. What What is the energy level? What is the passion? What are these kids bringing to the field? in season, you want to see the effort. Off season, you want to see recruiting. So I, I think he's in trouble. The one thing I will say is, within the next two years, a smaller program will pick up a Clay Helton because he now has yes. he ha- now has Power Five experience, Power Five success. He's well respected. He's well liked in terms of an offensive mind, and I don't even mean as a coordinator. I could right. see him, you know, I could see him landing at a mid-level Power Five, a Purdue-esque right. type of a place, or group of five program and there will be a lot of openings but to to Jimbo Fisher's point in terms of why they got him there they're looking at it okay
0: if they go seven and five here but you know what we lost to Clemson by two points we we played very hard against Alabama we got the cover that's good enough for us, for 2019. For now, year if this one. Happens, yeah. if this happens next year, we're going to hear, why did we pay $10 million and $75 million over that type of span to get the same thing that we had with Kevin Sumlin? When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other games. Keep it where it is. Jolisi ritz Sermonello.